As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is to all the men I've tolerated before with Natalie Katona and Dina Alkatib. Any newcomers should realize that this is the podcast where Dina and I give you all the tea on our past relationships and how they've impacted us um, with men. So we then thank them for the lessons they give us and leave them with some positive manifestations. But today we're going a little outside of our norm because I'm geeking out. We are going to be talking with a guest whose podcast I love. Caitlin Grant is the host of Plug It Up, which is a podcast about the monstrous tropes women portray in horror films. It literally combines my two passions, being scared and feminism. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I can't wait to spend this hour just doing a deep dive on one of my favorite movie genres and how women are portrayed in media. Like, I feel like I've made it. (laughs) You're making me feel like I've made it. I'm so excited. (laughs) We're so happy to have you here. Thanks for coming on. For real. Thanks for having me. Uh, So, Kaylin, can you just, like, give us a little bit of an interview, like, an overview of either Plug It Up or how Plug It Up came to be? or where your passion with horror started? That was five separate questions, and I apologize. (laughs) Make sure to answer all of them in sequential (laughs) order, please. I've already lost the order, but I will try to answer all of them. I So I've been a horror person for as long as I can remember. Um, I was a really anxious kid, and I'm still an anxious adult. But I feel like as a kid, I was scared of things kids are scared of, like – monsters and zombies and shit like that in addition to all the other things that my anxious brain was afraid of and like watching horror movies was a way for me to have 
a knowledge is power type of attitude about the scary stuff out there. And the more I watch scary movies, the more I felt like I was in control of scary situations. I call that the Batman method because in The Dark Knight, that's how he he becomes the Batman because he's petrified of bats. He's like, I am the bat. (laughs) (laughs) Become one. And that was my strategy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But my I I grew up with a lot of cousins too and they happen to be spooky people for the most part. So I always had, you know, horror buddies in my cousins and my brother. And it's just been always a thing for me. And I love it. I, I've i been podcasting for a few years. I uh, did a podcast called Thor's Hour of Thunder. And I would always pick horror movies for that one. Uh, and I started doing some episodes of Bloody Good Horror, which has been around for a long time. And I had been joking with some of the hosts of Bloody Good Horror that I was going to do like my own spinoff podcast about the monstrous feminine, particularly monstrous menstruations, like coming of age for women in horror movies or monstrous motherhood, sort of that angle of how scary that is to a lot of people, myself included. And uh, they were like, yeah, you should. You should fucking do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should do it. And they helped give me a platform. That's literally how To All the Men I've Tolerated Before happened. Some guy at a bar told me, no, you should do that. That's a concept. And I'm like, is it a concept? He goes, it's a concept. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was a guy, but... Oh, he's a good one. He's a good one. Yeah. We're still friends. I hope. I hope he listens. I don't know. (laughs) Don't know. I hope he doesn't. He's going to be like, let me get a producer credit. Yeah, that's right. We don't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought that this would be the appropriate time or inappropriate time. I started menstruating today. So what if I just turn into a monster in the middle of the podcast? I did too. Are you for real? (laughs) Oh my God. You're synced y'all. I did. I did not. But Uh, so so where did the, where did the monstrous thing come up, come from? Is this like an official thing? Like monstrous menstruation? What, What is this? So the monstrous feminine has been a concept for a while of like, because we've had femme fatale, you know, vixen type images in action movies and spy movies and in horror movies for a long time. I, so on Thor's Hour of Thunder in particular, I kept picking movies like Carrie, where she gets her period and she gets telekinesis and ends up killing people at prom. I like Jennifer's Body, where she doesn't have any like period stuff going on, but it is a coming of age movie where a teenage girl becomes a monster. Ginger snaps. Ginger does get her period and becomes a werewolf. So like I kept spinning it into something. I don't. So I, I have a bunch of books on menstruation and there's a a bitch fest anthology about coming oh, of age in horror. Fest. And I feel like there was maybe a mention of monstrous menstruation in there. So maybe that's where I snagged like okay. the, the trope title from. Uh, I don't remember specifically, but I've been running with it. So <laughs> I think it's not, that's so cool. Every time I, I hear it, I'm like, Oh, monstrous. Love that. Mon- I want my menstruation to be monstrous. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I just want to start levitating in the middle of the episode and twirling around yes. like it's the exorcist. Have you ever seen, you know what that reminds me of? Have you ever seen What We Do in the Shadows? 
Oh, love it. Oh my god, I freaking love what we do in the shadows and when yeah. they're like they get in fights and they just levitate and hiss at each <laughs> yeah. other. Like that's truly what I would love to do. I need to get onto oh. the what we do in the shadows platform. So good. I'm like it's watching so good. Outlander right now and just ready to give up on it. So maybe I'll just jump to the spooky. <laughs> yeah. I the it. movie is good, the show is good. It's it's so good. it's good stuff. So And when I think about, like, women in media and how we're all, like, always portrayed, I find, like, menstruation to be something that no one would actually want to portray in media because we're supposed to be, like, pretty or dainty or femme fatales and sexy. Why do you think, like, creators of horror films have latched onto this idea of, like, you get your period a demon takes you here we go well you know it's funny i feel like as a horror fan and you know not all horror fans are cool with blood and guts and gore but most of us if we've been around the genre long enough are at least accustomed to it and not desensitized but like we're around it enough and i feel like menstrual blood is the last frontier of like blood and guts that still grosses some people out which is fucked up because it's like one of the most common types of blood that like we're dealing with i feel like yet it's the one that is like left in terms of what's gonna be a quick sort of get to make someone sort of freaked out or yeah so it's it's interesting that that's where we've landed and i don't i don't know it's funny like carrie was written by stephen king um i think ginger snaps had uh, a man and a woman on sort of the writing directing team the witch is robert eggers that's another monstrous menstruation movie like a lot of these movies are written by men so part of me is like they don't understand what's happening it feels monstrous and very foreign to them and if that's the way that they can sort of contextualize and grasp women or girls becoming women like i'm that's what i'm finding i don't that's not like an official theory yet but i think that it's one way for people to sort of place how confusing they find menstruation put it in that context oh so men became ignorant about something (laughs) their ignorance made them insecure they made movies where we're demons who believe (laughs) hate to see it that doesn't make sense at all that doesn't track And that's the thing, like, the the subversion there is that I love it. Right. Like, it ends up being a very, you know, good for her type of thing. Like, (sighs) you know, you're rooting for Carrie at the end. Like, she's a monster. A ginger is killing people. Jennifer and Jennifer's body, a succubus killing people. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, like, I'm I'm rooting for them. (laughs) There was a particular year, decade in high school where I was obsessed with the word succubus. And, like, just harnessing, like, that word and the power behind it. And I would, like, walk up to people and be like, you're being a real succubus right now. And they'd be like, um. Just venom in your teeth as you succubus. Succubus. Felt that. But every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, I need to harness a a little succubus energy. Uh, That's a good word. I have a question. Kayla, what do you think about the movie Teeth? So Teeth is on my list of uh, coming of age movies. So it's there's not period stuff in there, but there's right. definite, you know, women's stuff in Teeth that I'm going to I'm excited to get to. Yeah. Teeth is pretty controversial. I 
I'm excited to explore it because I like you know you get moments of like small rape revenge where she's being assaulted and she's able to fend off that assault with vagina dentata a lot of people find it problematic i can totally see where that would come in but at the same time it's like i don't know i i love that that her weapon is also something that's been like part of what's made her a victim in the past. Like she has been assaulted and it's like, Oh, switcheroo. You thought you were going to get one thing and she's going to bite off your dick. Like, God, (laughs) so satisfying. I would love to do like a hero's journey take on teeth where it's like, well, she started out over here and this was happening. And then this is how she harnessed her power and was unleashed (laughs) upon the world. God, you'd be surprised. There's like, there was another, it's not a Stephen King book. It's a, oh uh, God, it's leaving my brain right now. Neil Gaiman, maybe? American Gods. Yes, Neil Gaiman. They made it into it. They made it into a TV show. And like, I'm pretty sure the first episode of it, sorry guys, spoilers, but like, there's a, I think she's a prostitute, but she like swallows a dude whole with her vagina. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, that's sick! I love it! If I'm remembering correctly, that is the first or second chapter of American Gods. Like, okay, yeah. Because each, oh, like, it's a dual perspective book. So, like, you have the main character, and then the next chapter will just be this little short story about one of the gods that's just chilling on Earth. And that's, like, the first one. Yeah. Like, he went Hell yeah. full force <laughs> for it. But you gotta watch. You gotta I, watch that episode come to life on screen because it is like, holy crap! Well, one <laughs> of my crazy. favorite feminist icons is Tori Amos, and Tori Amos and Neil Gaiman are really good friends. So, like in my head, what's gonna happen next is like Tori Amos is gonna write a song about that. <laughs> so that would be ideal. <laughs> oh, I would love that. Oh my goodness. We'll make sure to tag Tori Amos in the. Uh, podcast social media to be like hey we have the song concept could you just like, <laughs> throw this together with neil could you yeah with your bro neil please with your bro neil <laughs> so besides the feminine mes- menstruation monstrous trope where literally i've had my period and now i have like immense power what are some other I use the word problematic because I don't understand what else to call it. But what are some other tropes that women fall into when it comes to horror where you think "Mm, that might be a little projection on how we feel about women? So I've been digging into what I've dubbed monstrous motherhood as well. Uh, So... You know, in in doing research, and God, I thought doing research on menstruation was going to be fairly taboo. Like I was, but I was finding books on menstruation, not about horror and menstruation, but like anthropological data on menstruation, sort of like societal norms around menstruation. So like I had my stack of books, great. But when I was trying to find anything on motherhood that wasn't like rosy and what to expect when you're expecting was like ridiculously hard. I still don't have a lot of material to work with but we have a ton of movies where either you know a woman's pregnancy is demonic like rosemary's baby or she's the mother of the antichrist like the omen or you know i've also included movies where moms are doing sort of like the unspeakable and trying to kill their kids but 
moms in horror movies typically play a pretty interesting role. And that's been really fun to dig into. It really makes me think about Hereditary. Yes, Hereditary is on the list. (laughs) Hereditary? I could watch. And, like, you shouldn't watch that movie every day. But I feel like (laughs) I could watch that movie and get something new out of it every time I watch it. The last time I was watching Hereditary, people were chatty. And finally I went, turn on the captions. I need to know what they're saying. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, Toni Collette is a goddess. She is a true goddess. She's so good. She's so good. I fell in love with Toni Collette when she was, and again, that movie delves into like anxiety and depression and, you know, so many things are going on in that movie. And I fell in love with Toni Collette. She was on a Showtime show called The United States of Terra, where... I've heard of that. It's so good. I haven't seen it, though. Okay. I'll have to check it out. It's so good. And she's one of the actresses who can just, like, truly pull off that line between, okay, well, is this just how you're feeling? Or is this mental illness? Or what's going on here? Yeah, she does it really well. Yeah. Ah. hereditary that's one of my favorite ones but i always like you talked about the monstrous mother and i and i wanted to like make some freudian joke about like well it always starts with the mother (laughs) (laughs) just downhill from there and it's so odd because thinking about your research and how like it's all just like mommy blogs and like these are how we're the heroes of motherhood and child rearing or whatever and no one We'll talk about, like, this underlying, like, okay, but then why do we have all of this fiction where mothers are doing really, truly heinous things or make, what was I, what was I watching where, oh, it was a, I watched the last season of the Sabrina spinoff, the Chilling Tales of Sabrina. Oh, yeah. And in, like, that spinoff, her mother, like, had sex with the devil because she was that desperate to conceive. There's a lot of that. And, you know, what's funny is, so the books I got, one is called The Monster Within, uh, and then there's another one called, like, Representations of Motherhood. And both of them are relatively new. Like, some of the menstruation books I was getting were from the 70s, which has been, like, you know. A cool and sometimes problematic retrospective of the way we've thought about our bodies. But the motherhood books are all recent. And the books that I got, you know, are looking at sort of the darker side of motherhood or the potentially like gory side of motherhood. Like giving birth can be a gory (laughs) experience. But it's funny because, yes, but like that book references like Rosemary's Baby. So it feels like a lot of the cultural conversations around motherhood that are like exploring darker themes a little bit or like horror, the horrors around motherhood, the potential horrors, I guess, around motherhood started with horror movies. And that gave sort of the platform to some of these discussions, which is cool. That is really cool. Cause I was just thinking about like, I mean, Dina and I are mothers and I'm not a mother by choice. And um, I was just thinking like, but what if we just lived in a culture where we got to be honest about, how terrible it can be to be in charge of little people all day long. Well, I feel the same way. I uh, So I've recorded an episode on the Babadook. And by the time oh, this interview comes out, it'll probably come out too. But 
you know, the Babadook is a good example. I, I don't want kids. I've always been pretty clear about not wanting kids. I like other people's kids. I just don't want some from my body. But that movie touches on a lot of aspects of how motherhood can be monstrous. Like she has this kid who's a nightmare. She planned on raising a kid with her husband and her husband died. She's protecting her kid from a monster. She becomes a monster who's trying to hurt the kid. Like there's so much there. And she even, she resents the kid too, doesn't she? For for her husband dying, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's really interesting to me. It's like she puts it on the kid. Dang. Yeah, the uh, guest I had on that one is also a doula by training. So it was cool to have sort of like her perspective on the the gorier bits of like child of birth to come on and talk about that. Because she was like, you know, people don't talk about that, but it is something that comes up. So yeah, one of our former guests who her episode hasn't released yet, but she's a good friend of ours who's a historical costumer. She's a mother of two. And she had to go to a lot through a lot of physical therapy after giving birth. And it was like, if only doctors would actually tell you how traumatic it is to push someone out of you, maybe I could have done some ab work or something. Like if only we were prepared. (laughs) Yeah. Some pelvic floor exercises or something. Yeah. (laughs) Because a doula or like finally like a midwife or someone told her like, that was all pretty preventable. I wish someone would have told you like, this is how you can strengthen up those muscles for childbirth. Damn. That's crazy to me. But literally how women are treated by doctors is a whole nother episode. That really is. (laughs) Honestly, we could talk about that forever. So I had a question. So do you think the way that women in horror movies are portrayed now are they like how has it changed from older horror movies and like where do you see the change going in the future that's a good question i feel like you know a lot of times in feminist circles some of my feminist friends are like oh i don't like horror because it's really like objectifying or women are just there to be flesh and there are some movies where the violence is super sexualized and women are there to be like sexy gore or like sexy flesh and that's you know that kind of exploitation is troubling especially given the type of consumers that they were marketing to like you know there was a generation of boys that kind of internalized those ideas about women and their bodies being sort of open for violence or open for just consumption in some kind of way But I feel like in the, I mean, Rosemary's Baby was in the 60s. So every once in a while you get like movies peppered in with really, and not just strong female characters, but like complex female characters and characters that are exploring their agency. So like, I feel like horror has given a platform to a lot of different types of women's representations over the years. But as a genre, it definitely had kind of like turned a corner in the 90s we started really getting the trope of the final girl so for those of you that are are not horror people the final girl is usually the movie or the the girl at the end of the movie who has survived everything a good example would be uh sydney from scream so like at the end of every scream movie she's the one left standing um and isn't she and correct me if i'm wrong but isn't she usually the the purest the nicest the most virginal one Right, and that's where some of the problematic aspects of still course. linger. Yeah, it's like she's probably also know, white. 
Let's yeah. just say she's it. definitely white, definitely <laughs> straight. <laughs> yep. Um, but and and that's changing a bit too. Uh, like oftentimes the final girl was like the virginal one the sort of more promiscuous characters did get killed off but a movie like jennifer's body her promiscuity kind of saves her in a certain way in that movie it flips a lot of those tropes on its head so we're seeing a lot of subversions of those more problematic tropes for women in horror and that's really encouraging but yeah it's it's there's been an evolution and there's still work to be done but there's there's a lot of cool representations of women in horror. Do you know if Jennifer's body did well in the box office or if, has it become a cult favorite? So it's become a cult favorite. I Jennifer's body is a favorite of mine. It's like a queer feminist, like iconic movie for me, but it was marketed totally wrong. Mm-hmm. So that movie really does explore the complexities of female friendship. It explores like what it's like to come of age as a queer person. And Unfortunately, it was marketed because Megan Fox is very much a sex symbol, uh, but it was marketed to like frat guys mm-hmm. as like a girls gone wild, like girls kissing type of thing. Mm-hmm. And like there are, there is there's girls kissing in that, but it's it's not male gazy type of girls kissing. Right. It's these are two queer characters who are also best friends. And we're digging into the complexities of that. And it's not fucking for you, <laughs> like for the frat guys. So like Sorry, the marketing dudes. was terrible. Like. They wanted Megan Fox, like the marketing team wanted Megan Fox to do interviews with amateur porn sites. Uh. And Karen Kusama, yeah, Karen Kusama and Diablo Cody were like, um, no, no, like, that's not what this is. I think Jennifer's body for me, like, was one of those instances where I thought to myself, and the reason I asked if it did well in the box office is because, for lack of a better term, I feel like Megan Fox in general usually becomes a joke. To whatever movie yeah. she's a part of. So like. Jennifer's body. It was an instance where it was like. What if. I was allowed to believe. That Megan Fox was talented. The places she could go. <laughs> right. Exactly. And like. When you do look at that movie, it, it is having a bit of a renaissance right now and does have a cult following, which it absolutely deserves. Like, I'm so glad it's finally a, over a decade later getting sort of the the reverence that it deserves because it is a really thoughtful movie that is that hits a ton of feminist beats and also a lot of bisexual and queer beats. So, you know, it it did like decent at the box office, but it got bad reviews because it was marketed totally wrong. Mm-hmm. I just so. like Megan Fox because I'm here for our sex symbols. I very much believe that they have their place in my media and everything. But it's when we, like, take our sex symbols who we want to, like, grope and, like, leer at all the time. And then we just, like, but she's a joke, too. Well, is she a joke? I I believe Megan Fox is also a mother and making, like, business moves and, like, wheeling and dealing to be in movies or whatever. So I feel like Jennifer's body is always, like, in the back of my mind, like, what if someone had just spun her story differently? And I, like, I'll go to bat for her in that movie for sure. Like, I to watch her, like, unhinge her jaw and eat men. Like, I'm Hell very yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My dream. <laughs> it's only one life. Please. <laughs> you brought up the male gaze. And, like, I will say that I am very 
ignorant about this because when I watch movies, I am just taken to a whole new place. Like, I love the entire spectacle of a movie. And I love bad movies. I love good movies. I love Oscar-winning movies. But we're now on this cusp of asking ourselves, what if media was flipped and instead of focusing on the male gaze i now focus on the female gaze and what i've realized as a consumer of media is i don't even know how to spot that or what does that look like so do you have examples of horror movies i mean we talked about jennifer's body but like where do i go to go oh that's it so I, I had thought about that before we started, and I had written a few down to, like, not forget to talk about. So I'm going to open that up to make sure. Um, there are two recent ones that I love that do have a pretty pretty explicit female gaze. One is, like, a shitty movie on Netflix called What Lies Below. It's it's like if a Lifetime movie got a gore budget. Like, it's, it's not a good movie. But <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> and there's... Like, there's this hunky himbo, like a Lovecraftian himbo is how I describe the dude. Like, he's a creature from another planet, we find out later, but, like, he's super hot, like, conventionally very hot. And the shots linger, like, across his torso. Like, the the gaze, like, the literal gaze of the women characters in the movie are, like, on his body. So, like, that one is is pretty obvious, and if you're into, like, stupid shit that you won't really want to have to pay attention to, Wet Lies Below is a good one to check out. I but, love those things. <laughs> right. My, one of my favorite movies, you know, horror or otherwise, is called Raw. It's a 2016 French horror movie, and it's about a girl who develops cannibalistic tendencies, and yes. it is, it's so good. Like, I... We could do a whole episode just on Raw. But uh, there's a scene where she's, like, coming into this hunger. So, like, she's hungry for flesh. She's hungry for sex. She's hungry for a lot of things. And there's a scene where she's watching her friend play soccer. And, like, he also conventionally, like, pretty hunky dude. Like, he's got his shirt off. And you can, like, see her watching him play soccer with his shirt off and like the way her eyes go and the way the camera pans over his body and the way that like you can tell that she wants to consume him in a couple of different ways like you know there is like a sexually charged and also like a little bit dangerous type of charge to it so raw raw would be like my go-to for female gaze done i love done kind of interestingly i love that both of those examples were so fraught in sexuality and like steamy because I think again and this is going to be my internalized misogyny I think when I think of the female gaze I think like oh they mean that like movies will be flowery and the girl will like talk softly to a boy and like all that (laughs) (laughs) and I can't I love it I can't get over the hump of I'm like what do people mean as the female gaze I'm like here I am a female walking the earth not even realizing what my gaze looks like (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll never forget i was in a feminist group in college and there was a like we did a little like secret santa type thing and one of the gifts was a book called porn for women and it was just these images of like hot dudes doing chores and i was like (laughs) i get it but also like uh some women just like actually want to look at porn like, this is like, you know it's like i know that you're like where we're trying to go 
And we could also go in a different direction. But once again, the bar is so low. <laughs> it's in the That ground. we get turned on by chores. By men doing chores. Come on. That's when Vine was the only thing keeping me going during the day pre-TikTok. There used to be this Vine and it would just be a woman walking around town or like driving in her car and she'd go, feminist cat calling and like she'd roll down her window and yell at a guy you look like you have a 401k baby (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're looking for truly (laughs) honestly i was trying to connect in my head how midsummer is a and it's mostly because yesterday with my boss he tried to tell me that midsummer is not a good movie and i feel like Midsummer is just one of those movies where if you didn't get it, you really want to convince me that it was a bad movie. But I know it was a good movie. I was there. And I feel I love Midsummer. <laughs> Listen, I Midsummer As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was, like, I was in a relationship that was at its natural end, like, to be fair. But the day I saw Midsummer. that the relationship officially ended which is like it's so funny because of what that movie is like like the ultimate breakup movie Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways (laughs) so i'm like well it was like a summer of lizzo's good as hell and and midsummer like the breakup was inevitable but (laughs) wow what a great time to break up like during lizzo (laughs) during that era of lizzo love it but i've almost latched onto midsummer as my ideal of the female gaze because the movie is all told through her perspective of how she's perceiving the events around her yeah And how her boyfriend keeps trying to, like, convince her, like, no, this is fine. Like, our friend's real chill. And I'm like, he's not real chill. I don't trust him. I don't trust anything that's happening. And it's so bright. And she's uncomfortable the entire time. And I'm uncomfortable the entire time. And then when it switches and she's finally like, no, I'm the bitch in the flower crown. And she just... (laughs) And she just sacrifices him. I'm like, that's me. That's me in the female gaze. That's how I want everything to play out. Like, 
That's a, a very good for her type of it is a very, I love Midsummer. It's a very and like I love Florence Pugh. I'm obsessed with Florence Pugh. Oh. Like I as a short sort of like Florence Pugh is obviously conventionally very beautiful, but she does have broader shoulders. She's short. She doesn't fit a lot of like the conventional tropes, but like short, husky voice, horror bitch. Like, let's go. Like, oh. I'm here for you, Florence Pugh. Mood. You're my gal. When we, <laughs> when we were all quarantined, I would watch her because she would just get on Instagram and cook, but she would dance while she was cooking and she would sing to us. And like at the end of the day, she was making like avocado toast or something. It was like a two step yeah. process. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I would watch those like on repeat. Yeah. Like I like Stewie send in a rescue mission to get her away from Zach Braff. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, Just kidding. Good for you, Florence. Um, I guess. Zach Braff though. I still haven't processed how yeah. I feel about it because she seems so happy. So my heart she wants to is. feel like, okay, if you're happy, I'm happy. Yeah, she is. And I just it's it's me being jealous that like he gets to be with her because I just think she's the coolest. Right. I'm jealous that they get to be with each other, really. True. I just want to kind of be in the middle, if I'm being honest. <laughs> a thruple. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like, the thing that I miss the most out of quarantine is that Florence Pugh has less time to just dance and tell the world we should be <laughs> dancing. I'm like, we should be dancing, Florence. I'm here. I'm right with you. We should be dancing. And then Marvel was like, get to work, Florence. You're in Marvel now. But I hope she's in Marvel forever. This is my plea. I mean, I mean, like I hit my superhero movie saturation point and I was like, I got it. Like, check. I get it. Like, I've seen the superhero movies I probably don't need to see anymore for a long time. And then they were like, oh, Florence Pugh is going to be in Black Widow. And I was like, go on. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe I have room for a, another Marvel movie in my repertoire. We went and saw Black Widow this past weekend, and Dina said, I heard there's a lot of butts in this movie. And my exact quote was, well, what would my day be if not without the male gaze? That's right. <laughs> and also, it was butt-tastic. See, I didn't notice, <laughs> but maybe I wasn't looking for it. I was just so happy that Black Widow was getting her just due. That's also Long true. overdue. Long but, overdue. Yeah, we finally got it. Yeah. But yeah, this is my plea for Florence Pugh to always be in the Marvel universe from now and forevermore. I, I unsuccessfully started an Instagram campaign where I made one story and I was like, here it is, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> you tried, a, though. I, I'm like, I'm just a girl holding my cell phone asking you to make Florence Pugh Black Canary. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Who are your? Oh, I love her. So we talked about Jennifer and Je is Megan Fox's character Jennifer and Jennifer's body. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sometimes the titles trip me up. <laughs> um, who else are some of your favorite? Like, yes, we got it right, and these women are so powerful. Female characters in horror. For me, I love The Witch. So 2015's The Witch, Ooh. directed by Robert Eggers, A24. I love Thomason. So it's Anya Taylor-Joy plays Thomason in like 1600s America. They're somewhere in New England. And uh, yeah, she gets accused of being a witch. And we get like a very good, good for her moment at the end of that, too. I I mean, they just nailed it. Like she's got 
like your prospects as a woman in that time were like, oh, okay, you can either like get married and have like a brood of your own kids, which like whatever, that's what some people want. Or you can go serve some other family as a servant doing that shit for them. And it's like that those were her options. And, you know, she's presented with Black Phillip's book and it's like, or you can see the world and you can live deliciously. And it's like, yeah, fucking good for her. (laughs) Sign the book. (laughs) Have we explained what the good for her moment is in the horror genre? Because we keep referencing it. (laughs) I, so I, I think I first heard it referenced to um, Gone Girl, which like, I don't know if I would even call horror. I guess that's like more of a thriller, but the sort of like, you know, she's been through a lot of shit and she's doing something that, like, question mark, don't know if it's the right thing to do. But in this moment, you're like, you know what? Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this, but I do know, I think, good for her. <laughs> yeah, like, is Thomason signing a deal with Satan? Yeah, but also, like, you know, good for her. Again, like, she deserves a this. whole ass mood. The, yeah. <laughs> the episode that we released today is about... um our weird movie crushes and my one of mine is tim curry as the devil in legend and i straight up told dina during the episode i go i would have stayed with tim curry because he (laughs) appreciated her sexuality and tom cruise was soft (laughs) i couldn't do it (laughs) hell yeah i mean if we're gonna go tom or tim we definitely gotta go tim curry (laughs) especially tim curry as a devil so it's just such a mood Dina, do you have any favorite female (laughs) horror uh, characters? So here's the thing. I'm new to horror. Like, I really wasn't a big fan of horror, like, growing up. In the past, I would say, like, four years or maybe even less than that, I've started getting into horror. So I feel like I'm so behind on things. Like, so I, I, I feel like I haven't explored it enough to have, like, a favorite yet, but... I'm interested in hearing what your favorites are, Caitlin, for sure, so that I can go watch them if I haven't. (laughs) As far as feminist horror goes, I think one that a lot of people have really come to love, especially here lately, is called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, It's a black and white movie. I think it's Iranian. I might be getting the, the country of origin wrong. And if I am, I apologize. But it's so she is a vampire, our main character. She doesn't talk a lot. It's shot in black and white. It's obviously shot mostly at night because she's a vampire. But she's like wearing a hijabi and like she's skateboarding through most of it. So she's just like this urban vampire And her hijab is, like, flowing behind her the way a vampire's cape would, like, the way Dracula's cape would, like, the imagery there is, like, funny and also badass and just, like, cool as fuck. Like, it's it's a really cool modern take on a vampire story. And she only kills dudes who are gross and awful to women. Uh. So it's, like, it's a really cool, like, skateboarding vampire badass i don't know it's, it's a really good one i would highly recommend it that's amazing i mean you you yes. hit the nail on the head for recommendations because <laughs> not only am i palestinian but i <laughs> i really want to see someone fuck somebody up in a hijab like that's amazing <laughs> it's a really cool movie i i definitely like that one yeah and and I never know how to classify these movies, except for I'm obsessed with them. Are they thriller? Are they horror movies? But Emily Blunt's performance, and that's another one where I think in, um, oh no, 
what's the name of the movie? A Quiet, a quiet Place. place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, silent. No, it's not silent. Um, <laughs> a Quiet Place 2. That was another movie where I was like, is this a female gaze? We are getting a lot of how Emily Blunt is feeling right now. Is this what I'm supposed to be watching out for? I stress cried. And I did not even realize that I was crying. But all of a sudden, I realized that tears were streaming down my face because I was so stressed out by how many things Emily Blunt had to juggle while driving that car away from the monsters that, like, I was so tense that I was just weeping for her because I was like, mothers have it so hard. She's got to pat that baby and run over monsters. (laughs) Well, and that's, like, I've included movies like A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2 in Monstrous Motherhood because, like, sometimes it means protecting your kids from the monsters. And those movies do that so well. Like, they really capture how, you know, I mean, even without monsters in the world, and I guess there are monsters in the world when when we think about how we classify some of the acts that people do to one another. But in this fictional world or in the real world, mothers have so much to do and have so many things to protect their kids from. And to see Emily Blunt do that on screen and then to also see her get a nail through the foot. It's like, you know, you just like really like kudos. And like mom of the year. The way that she was able to just wipe out any emotion from her face and just walk through this desolate land just to try to be like, we have to be quiet. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and like, I don't know, give Emily Blunt and John Krasinski their Oscars for these movies. Like, please take these movies seriously and give them their goddamn Oscars. And behind the scenes, I'm like, oh, like, I want a partner that I can write incredible horror with. Like, that's so cool. That, literally, some of my manifestations at the end of the episodes have been around, like, I just want a partner that I can share my creative passions with. And I think that they, like, have a beautiful marriage. Yeah, it's really cool to see. All right, Dina, I think my my last question is pretty good for the, like, final question do you have questions that you've been holding on to yeah i have one that's slightly unrelated because i saw um that you work with uh well let's say can you explain how you work with eating people who have eating disorders or what is it exactly yeah so i i'm not a clinician but i do work for eating disorder treatment centers so for the past six or seven years i've been on more of the business development side of things. So working with patients, doctors, dietitians, therapists, not doing a lot of direct patient care, but very entrenched in the world of eating disorders and working for the treatment centers. So we just had an episode, actually, we recorded it, it hasn't released yet, but we uh, had an episode on body image. And I was just wondering how in your mind from, from seeing so many cases, I'm assuming you've, you've probably seen more than most of us, how we can foster as women an environment that's free from like body shame and things like that, that lead to eating disorders. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard because it's so insidious. Like it's so a part of how we speak to one another and how we speak to ourselves as women. 
I, I think one of the biggest things is like I've gone into doctor's offices before to to sort of like talk about eating disorders and usually I'll bring lunch with me because it's like a polite thing to do. So bring lunch and talk to the nurses and the doctors and a lot of the shit that they say to themselves and to one another like, oh, like justifying the fact that they're eating they're like oh i didn't have breakfast today and it's like you don't have to justify to me why you're eating right now or ever right or like you know i'm gonna i'm being so bad or i'm being good today so i'm just gonna have a salad like anytime that you project moral value onto food it's gonna make the people who hear you start to feel weird about their food choices and about the way the food's gonna affect their body so like keeping in mind that food doesn't have a moral value I mean, there are foods that the way I think about it, it's like there is foods your body needs every day, fats, carbs, proteins, whatever. There are foods that your body doesn't absolutely need every day, but that doesn't make them bad. Mm. You know, they're not morally bad foods. So I think, you know, trying to steer towards neutral language about food and about exercise is a really good step to take. And then, you know, just sort of watching the way that you talk about yourself um i live in a larger body and when friends are like oh like i i feel so fat or like oh i look so fat i'm like okay well i live in a much larger body than you do so when you say that especially to me how do you think that makes me feel about what you think about my body yeah and they're like oh i'm not talking about your body you're beautiful and i'm like yeah i know but like (laughs) Like, like hello? Like, <laughs> like, how do you not see this? The problem with this. Hello. Morons. Yeah. I'm obsessed with the word yeah. morons. And I was almost going to ruin <laughs> my own point because I was going to preface this with, I've almost been bitchy, but let me rewind. I have been intentional and almost hyper-focused lately on intentional language and the way that we craft our own narrative. Like... I think through my counseling journey, I've really just started to hit home that it's like, well, I am the author of my story and my story is all through first person. So when I say things like, "Uh, it's cheat day, I'm gonna have an ice cream. And like, it almost, it's like, I just wrote out to the world to view, like I'm my own movie and my audience now knows that I feel like I don't deserve ice cream. Or like, exactly. Or my body is something to be ashamed about. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, you know, kids especially will internalize that, but so do adults. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm really sensitive to that kind of stuff given my own history with body image issues, disordered eating, and because I work in the field that I do. But like, you know, especially when I hear people say it to and around, you know, I mean. Kids of any gender, but kids in general, especially younger girls, it's like, just don't. Like, we already have so much on our plates. Like, just just stop. (laughs) So we talked a lot about how the movies that did it right. I guess we should also, like, swing the pendulum and be like, well, what are the movies that, like, used women's bodies inappropriately or used women's um, mental illnesses or things that they're going through and you're like well that missed the mark yeah there are a couple i can think of there's i think the first time i remember feeling that like for myself in a group where i felt like i was the only one seeing it i was in either high school or college it was one of the saw movies had just come out and for the record i like saw as a concept like the the moral idea of like you're going to put you in this trap and it's going to like um, make you 
question your like choices and thoughts and behaviors like you know it's a decently like it's a decent concept for a movie but in one of the saw movies and i can't remember which one it is but there's a woman and she's nude and she's like pinned up essentially and there's cold water spraying on her and what they're essentially doing is like freezing her to death slowly and i was like i remember watching it and like the way the camera pans like it's not like the focus should be like this person is about to die like this is a horrific thing but like it just like lingered on her boobs the camera and it's like you know like that's like not really the point right now and this woman is like it just felt violent in the way that they were showing it and i was like this is so annoying and like like i'm i i have nothing wrong with boobs in horror movies love it but i was like this is an instance where you're showing me the boobs because you're like oh sweet titties like this is not an instance where this is like it doesn't add to the story it doesn't add to the horror it's just like a sexualized image of violence have you seen that and scene, Natalie? Have I seen what? Have you seen that scene? There are so many Saw movies. There really <laughs> there is. Are. This yeah. one, they're literally like spraying water on her in a freezer and she's hanging from yeah. like a meat hook or whatever. And it's just up and down her body with the water, yeah. like spraying and the boobs. She's completely naked. Like she's well, naked head yeah. to toe. And I guess, and I almost feel like the nu- did the nudity need to be a thing did that also have to be a plot device because even if i was clothed if you're spraying me with water and i'm in the mcdonald's freezer like i'm still going to slowly freeze to death right like if i'm jigsaw i'm like oh wearing this like frozen clothing might be more painful like not right. to like, think like a sociopath but like or or you can i mean and you can have nudity in movies that's not hypersexualized or you, or you can have violence and nudity that's not hypersexualized. Like at the end of Hereditary, there's a whole bunch of naked, like old people that are trying to get Paymon into this kid. <laughs> weird. And it's like, yeah, it's like that. It's fine. Like there's nudity there. It's not sexualized. There is violence and there is nudity, but it's not sexual violence. That scene in Saw feels sexually violent to that's me. That's true. And there are a couple of like, there's a movie that I. A lot of people, I I don't feel like, at least I haven't been able to talk to a lot of people that know about it. It's called The Snare. And there's a rape scene in it that is, like, really shook me in a bad way. Um, Like, there's movies like Martyrs that are known for being sexually violent and, like, over-the-top violent. But there's that rape scene in in The Snare, like, has stuck with me as, like, this is awful. It's it's really rough. I think one of the movies that did... And this isn't a horror movie either. Oh, and now I'm not even going to remember the name. It was a movie. It came out this year, and it was Promising Young Woman. Oh, Oh, uh, that was hard to watch, too. However, I did feel, I was like, this is, like, sexually violent in a way that's not also physically violent. Because those men are shook now. Like, she almost sexually violated them in a way. Where, like, it's going to leave such a lasting impression on her, on them, on the men. Yeah, Promising Young Woman is an interesting one. There are, I, I'm i not sure how I feel about rape revenge in horror movies in general. Um, I know for some, you know, survivors of sexual assault, it can be a cathartic thing to watch either 
you know, like I spit on your grave is a famous example. Mm-hmm. So she's getting revenge on the people that raped her. Promising young woman, she wasn't the victim of the assault her friend was. And she's, you know, enacting this vengeance. And there are parts of Promising Young Woman that I think get it really right. And then, you know, there are also some parts that are very hard to watch. Um, I, so th- I mean, it's, with it's, it's a movie with a lot of nuance. Yeah. yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Yeah. Dina, do you have any questions before I like hit it with our theme? Hold on, I'm reading. Yeah, I'm uh, reading phase. <laughs> Just like as, as if you like if you were on an island and had to bring three horror movies with you, and that was it. Which three would they be? I think I would bring the witch for sure. I think I would bring Raw, the one that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I'd want to bring like a Your Next. Have y'all seen Your Next? <gasps> I... Have I seen Your Next? Wait a second. It's a good home invasion movie from like 2015 or so. I'm picking all recent movies. I wish I had thought of like a an older class. Rosemary's Baby of two. I, it's hard to pick three, but like yeah. I want Your Next because it's a little okay. less thought. Like it's a little less, um, you know, Raw and The Witch are very art housey mm-hmm. which like i love that kind of shit but sometimes you just want like a really good horror action movie like you're next or ready or not any oh, of those that are like not. really fun fast moving yeah so many good ones yeah those are great okay that's my last question now all right so here it is the theme of the whole podcast are there specific male behaviors you have to tolerate when you reveal to a crowd of people that you're a fan of horror films. Yeah. So I I live in Richmond, Virginia. It's like a big part of my identity, apparently. I fucking love Richmond. But uh, <laughs> there's an RVA horror club that I am a part of. And we haven't met in person lately because of COVID. But for a while, we were meeting monthly to see movies together. And we would go see a movie. And then afterwards, we would sit and talk. And, you know... 
just like so much gatekeeping and so much sort of like testing like but are you like a real horror fan and it's like first of all what does a real horror fan even mean like someone can like a couple horror movies and consider themselves a horror fan like just let people be a part of this and have fun together whatever so like the gatekeeping is tough because it's like well if you haven't seen evil dead 2 you're not going to get all the references in x y or z and it's like Dude, just like just let people enjoy it. Like they'll come to understand Evil Dead 2 or they won't, and it's fine. Or, you know, it's like the gatekeeping stuff. Hate it. And then just sort of like not being a part of the conversation. Like we were I mean, we would sit down at these tables after the movie, and I just feel like the conversation, it was a circular table, and like it would just bounce between the men. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I have something to say. Like I like, not that I have to prove my horror chops to you, but, like, I would feel compelled to, like, get that out there first and then be a part of the conversation. But just in general, just, like, that's just the perfect example. Like, I feel like I'm not part of this conversation. Like, your eyes aren't facing me. You're not listening to me when I talk. And, yeah, it's just – there are a lot of circles like that in horror. I will say, so Bloody Good Horror has been the the horror podcast I've listened to for the longest, and those, it's, it is mostly dudes who are the host. I, I got promoted to be a co-host there, which is rad, um, but that has been, like, the most inclusive horror space I've been a part of. Like, I've never once felt less welcome there or less, you know, like, they, it's a very welcoming space for women. I love that. And people of all genders, but, yeah, horror spaces, like, a lot of other specific genre spaces or fandom spaces can get very like but are you a real fan do you really know it's like well yeah i fucking do so why does it feel like such a boys club is it just because like it it was exclusively like male directors and stuff or or what is what's the reason for that i hate it i don't know if it's because a lot of like for a long time especially you know some of the lower budget stuff from the 80s which like i actually do really like like when i talk about like like stalk and kill slasher movies like with boobs like i love it like i am here for it i really enjoy those movies but at the same time i know that like the target market wasn't me Mm -hmm. so i feel like for a long time those movies weren't really made with me in mind Mm -hmm. as an audience doesn't mean i don't love them but because the audience for so long was like you know a teen boy type audience i think they felt like this is ours anyway you know like that's why it became a boys club i guess but yeah there are so many women in horror and i i love meeting other like spooky women and getting into it so i love that every is it wednesday that you highlight a woman in horror yeah, Women in Horror Wednesdays I do on my uh, social media. I do. So. I love it. Because then I get to learn, too, how, like, we're changing and shaping a genre of media. It's it's so important. I mean, it just, I love seeing other women, and especially other women who are not, like, the ingenues of the movie. Like, I like seeing other fat women. I like seeing other, like alternative types of women that are here for horror that aren't sort of like the boobs on screen and like i said there's a place for boobs on screen love it and a lot of those actresses are fucking like incredible but at the same time like i want there to be a space for someone like me and i'm seeing that more and more love that okay so we end every show with two things we do an overviewing takeaway 
So like for today, it would be like, what have you learned about yourself or have you, how have you grown through your deep dive into the horror genre? And then you do a manifestation and like, it's almost like a, and because I've learned all of this, this is what I want for the future. I think what I've learned is that I have a place here in the horror community and that I don't have to prove it to anyone. Uh, that that's been my big thing. Like I do have a seat at this table and I don't have to like list off my credentials. I don't have to show my chops in order to be there, but that I, I have a seat at this table has been my biggest takeaway. Um, and in terms of what I want for others, I would love to see just more diversity in horror in general. Like we get a lot of straight cis perspectives. I would love to see like more, trans and non-binary folks in horror um i'm like a sucker for american horror story which i know a lot of people are like it's garbage and i don't give a shit i love it but uh the new american horror stories spinoff um has so many characters that are not straight and cis and it's so rad like i love seeing that i would love to see more black people and people of color in horror um you know there's a trope in a lot of horror movies where the black character is the first that dies like We want to move away from that, obviously, and have more Black voices. Jordan Peele has done a lot for that. So, yeah, centering people as – centering more diversity around, you know, these are main characters. They're not just flesh to be killed. So I just, like, my thing would be just to encourage everyone, if you're a genre fan, get into it. There's a place for you here, too. I love that. Um, I have on this podcast called Ryan Murphy Trash. I have called him trash. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. trash. I watched all <laughs> like of he, Glee. Like, he has a lot to explain for himself. Yeah. I watched all of Glee. I did. And I am, every day I tell myself, turn back on American Horror Stories. You want to finish it. <laughs> you want to, like, you want to watch all the seasons. But I did want to be open and honest that I have called him trash on this show. <laughs> oh, no. Like, he needs to answer for his crimes. Like, 100%. He's He's made some questionable choices for sure but at the same time it's like but i watch every season and i i end up you know taking away what i like and leaving what i don't yeah. so ryan murphy hire me <laughs> like, i will help you write oh in a way God. that feels more inclusive we will also tag him on the episode notes and be like ryan murphy yes. what if you spoke to a woman <laughs> once maybe <laughs> Um, I think my biggest takeaway from this episode and like even my little dabbling in horror, besides the fact that like I am always looking for ways to take up more space and to deep dive into things that have been closed off for women is I am ready to start actually paying attention to the media. And when I'm watching, like watch the women, what is Emily Blunt doing? How did that director choose to portray her? How did the story choose to portray her? And advocating for those films that get it right and having more conversations about those films that fucked it up. And then yeah. for my manifestation, um, I don't like, I would just love for all of the gatekeepers to calm down. Like, what if you all just calmed down? What if you all just, like, took a breath before you wanted to jump through down anyone's throat for enjoying something, and we all just got to enjoy things? I was just like... You know what I say to them? I always say to gatekeepers, I'm like, 
let people enjoy things. Let people yeah. be happy. Like, who cares? Like, what if we just let people be excited and happy and enjoy things? If it's not hurting anybody? Yeah. Or, like, you know, if you if you want them to explore something else that you think they might like, mm-hmm. you can approach that in a way that's not condescending and totally shitty. Exactly. <laughs> what if we all just got to speak? <laughs> You know what about you? You gotta take away an Amanda. Yeah. So for the takeaway, excuse me, Oliver, you've been so good. This is what I'm dealing with. Oh. So, um, for my takeaway, I similar to Natalie's, I have not noticed like the differences in the ways women have been portrayed in horror. And even that scene where in Saw, like I, that's so, such an iconic Saw scene that everybody like who is a fan of Saw and has, you know, seen all the movies or whatever, it's, it really stands out in your mind, but I didn't make the connections. And so I am just now, I feel like going into horror movies with more information, with being more aware of how we're being portrayed and all that. And so I think for my manifestation, what I hope for the genre of horror and, and for women in horror is that we move, we're moving in the right direction, right? Is that we're looking for more movies where we are portrayed tastefully, let's say, or well, or however you want to say it, but um, having more diversity and having different types of people and women and in, in, in horror movies, I think will help with the gatekeeping and because it's you know it'll be more accessible to more people and more different kinds of people so that's what i hope for for horror listen when the 2016 ghostbusters remake came out like it all the shit all came Dude. <laughs> like to the surface yeah but that's a good litmus test too if someone's like it's trash it's like did you watch it? Because it was hilarious, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I too was convinced that it was good, but so many people told me I was wrong. And I was like, I remember laughing. <laughs> it was the gatekeepers. Yeah, it was great. The gatekeepers, yeah. dude. Yeah. I had women gatekeep me on that movie. And I'm like, you too? Me too? Come on <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Can't we just be- There's a lot of that too. Can't we just yeah. be happy that we got a movie? Yeah. <laughs> Another Ghostbusters? They're fun. And the the actresses are amazing. They play their characters amazingly. Even uh who is Chris is it Chris, Chris Hemsworth was in Oh yeah, the new so one. good. Hilarious. His role yeah. hilarious. He was the butt of the joke <laughs> and I loved it. Yes. So good. All right. As our guest, the courtesy is that you get to do your plugs first so this is where you get to brag about anything and everything that you're working on and where people can find it yeah so the project that that i'm taking on sort of myself is plug it up and it's my podcast about the monstrous feminine looking at specifically monstrous menstruation monstrous motherhood getting it into some other tropes as well but just really digging into that i release weekly um so the episodes come out every tuesday and i'm plug it up pod on instagram and twitter um, I'm also on Bloody Good Horror now as an official host of Bloody Good Horror Rules. They've been around for like 12 years now, which is for a podcast, like that's early days podcasting, but they are excellent people and they've created a wonderful community. 
And then because I just don't ever shut up, I also do a podcast called Films at First Sight with my friend Joe. And the concept there is it's like anti-gatekeeping. So it's about, you know, one of us or our guest is seeing a movie for the first time. And I got to be 32 without ever, ever, ever having seen Die Hard. <laughs> and so like we watched, I it was like my first time watching Die Hard, a film at first sight for me. And Joe like presented it without gatekeeping, let me have my first impressions. Uh, and I'm going to do the same for him. So like Now and Then is a favorite movie of mine that he hadn't seen. Yes, Now and Then is like such a special movie for like women in our age bracket and i wanted him to be able to see it and give his first thoughts and so yeah any movies new or old that seeing with fresh eyes but like no gatekeeping no judgment just sort of excitement around seeing something new love that i'm just swaying to band of gold now because i love the now and then soundtrack oh it's so good (laughs) have you seen now and then dina i have not no there's surprise oh, Brendan uh, Fraser in it. There's surprise. Oh, I love Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Fraser. Very cute Brendan He's Fraser. He's not even credited. Yes. I don't even know if they paid him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What the hell? He just showed up one day on set. He was like, what's up? I'm going to be in this movie. Sometimes <laughs> I'm convinced he just rode his bike and they were all like, Brendan Fraser? <laughs> they just made him. <laughs> He's here. Just, just be in it. Good for him. Uh, right, good for him. All right, good our plug. <laughs> so make sure to like and subscribe. Um, my ever-present plea. Leave us a five-star review if you can and a comment about what you're enjoying, and we can start highlighting those reviews. I would really love to hear everyone's favorite horror movie or woman in horror or anything that you want to tell me in the comments. Our Instagram is at men. I've tolerated pod. My personal Instagram and TikTok is NatalieK124. And if you screenshot an episode and you tag us in your Instagram story that you're listening to an episode currently, we will handcraft for you a manifestation or a mantra to help you get through your day. And you can email us any questions about your relationships or anything you need advice on at men I've tolerated before at gmail.com and you can give me a follow on instagram as well my instagram handle is at ms period caboose and i'll have links to all my social media there including my twitch which very relevant to our episode today i play a lot of dead by daylight (laughs) and if have you ever played dead by daylight caitlin I have not played, but I've watched. It's so good. You gotta play it. We should play it sometime. It's so good. <laughs> I have a Twitch account. I, I need to, like, get in on it. That'd be a good one for you to stream. Caitlin, <laughs> nice. thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank this you. This was great. I appreciate you guys having me on, and yeah, I'm just, I loved it. We hope you had fun, because I had fun. <laughs> I did, too. I had a blast. This was great. <laughs> awesome well go check her out guys and we'll talk to you soon that oh wait and don't forget tolerators you don't have to tolerate oh oh, i'm gonna mess up my own catchphrase i did that last week too that's right try again (laughs) don't forget tolerators you don't have to smile through anything you're tolerating especially gatekeepers or people who are telling you that the movies that you love are bad smiles are for joy (laughs) bye guys
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.